Ever heard of the seven-year itch? Well, it's an idea that has psychological backing that a marriage or a long-term romantic relationship can turn a bit stale and get a bit itchy and people will want to get out after seven years. Now, I'm not going on a personal rant. I'm incredibly happy with my beloved wife. What I'm talking about is Farhad Mashiri. Now, Farhad Mashiri is the owner of Everton. He bought 49 Point nine percent in 2016 and then upped his stake in January 2022 to 94%. He spent £731 million with Everton and after seven years he's looking to get out. So within the month of his seventh anniversary I sat down with Baz from Toffee TV to dissect the ripple effects of having this man, this billionaire, as the owner of Everton, a guy who came in who was supposed to be the cash injection that this club needed, and now he finds himself at loggerheads. Seven years on, there is toxicity between himself and the fans, but he has put his money where his mouth is. There is a brand new stadium being made for Everton, but overall it has felt quite catastrophic, and the protests are regular when it comes to the Everton fan base who want Farhad Mashiri out. So why did they want him out? How has this seven years gone? And what have been the ripple effects of Farhad Mashiri being the owner of Everton? We're going to dive into all of that and so much more in this episode of The Ripple Effect. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you follow. Give us a five-star rating if you enjoy this one. But most of all, we hope you get something out of it. Enjoy. So Baz, I've known you a long time. And uh, we don't get to sit down too often, but generally, it kind of is under these circumstances. Uh, it's an anniversary that I think neither of us are really sort of enjoying too much, but it is lovely to sit down and, and chat with you. This podcast is called The Ripple Effect. And when I was thinking about Mashiri, Everton, I always talk think about Everton fans, and I think how tough it is to be an Everton fan and there's a lot of that that gets thrown around in terms of being football fans because you know you you'll have had this I get really annoyed you know when people do Liverpool fans go oh do you remember when Hodgson was the manager and you, you just want to go shush yeah yeah <laughs> so for for the likes of myself and when I see Everton fans and what they have to go through the sort of the the difficulty and the frustration before we started recording just now I said, you know, you're good. And you were kind of like, um, you know, I'm in an ring. The ripple effect of this seven-year stint of Mashiri, which could soon be coming to an end. And I kind of want to talk about him. I want to talk about his uh, decisions, um, his influence, his, um, yeah, uh, and, and Everton and obviously everything that's gone on there, but also solutions as well. But what's been the ripple effect on you yourself as someone who is first and foremost an Everton fan, but secondly, this is your, you know, this is your job. You, Toffee TV is your is your life, is your baby, and has been for a long time. Certainly, it kind of is aligned with 2016 and, and it all coming to, to fruition with Mashiri. So what has been the ripple effect on you yourself over these years? Well, the hair's gone greyer, that's for sure. Um, I think the... It's just been a mixture of emotions, James. You know, we were doing Ball Street together a long time ago um, and talking about Everton before we got the investments, actually. And then we got the investments and it was it was very, very exciting because Everton had been a football club that had done okay, really. Well, no, done really well, as in, in terms of league positions 
given the budget it had. It, it didn't have a budget, really. You know, it was a case of, I think, you know, four or five million pounds a season until we bought Lukaku under David Moyes. Uh, sorry, until we bought Lukaku under Martinez. Under David Moyes, he didn't have really any money to spend. And, and Everton had performed quite well. I think eight out of the 11 seasons we've been in the top seven, eight, something like that. And then, true, we were always thinking if we got a billionaire, that would take us to the next level, so to speak. And especially sharing a city with that lot and sharing, a, and for us, sharing a studio with that lot, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. It was... That seemed to be the next logical thing for Everton. So, so the ripple effect of that was excitement. Mm. Absolutely. We're, we're finally going to be able to compete where we belong, where I believe we belong. We still won the you know the uh, league championship the fourth most times in English football so I believe Everton should certainly be up there um, you know rubbing shoulders with that lot at the top and so the excitement came in and, and since then James it's been one of frustration and to be honest with you disbelief at how it's all unfolded if you're looking for a A to Z on how not to do things when you buy a football club Everton have pretty much um, ticked everything. I've ticked everything there, and and that has led to. Well, that's so. That, yeah, it's fa- it's fascinating that you. Sorry, Baz. It's fascinating you say that word frustration because mm-hmm. again, I sort of. So whenever I'm sort of chatting to someone, I try and th- put myself in their shoes and I try and think about yeah how you'd be feeling. And there were two sort of two areas that I think would create that frustration, and and one is that. I nearly said the phrase identity crisis, but that's not fair. I think that the real thing is the discrepancy. The Mm. discrepancy for Everton fans, certainly I think Everton fans who are that little bit older and remember those times, that understanding of of where where you were, how football had changed. And so when Mashiri comes in and he acquires that 49%, 49 49.9% stake in in the club, it must feel at that moment in time that here we go. We're, we're ready to catch up. You've kind of been in that sort of um, the sort of the other guys kind of section, where, you know, Tottenham, Tottenham were an interesting one. Newcastle are an interesting one as well. There's a great article on the athletic talking about how at that time, Newcastle actually went down that season mm. and Tottenham uh, were sort of just starting to find their feet and you sort of so for now for people who maybe are uh, listening to this podcast and are now just getting into the game and and thinking you know who are the guys that do well who are the guys that don't do well Everton were alongside Tottenham Newcastle in particular Tottenham I think is a really good example so when Mashiri comes in is it one where if you can put yourself back to that time the money that he has alongside with Usmanov was it just did you think that that would solve all the problems? You just needed that cash injection to, to get the players and then all would be rosy? Yes, if you want the short answer. Because you've seen you've seen something uh, almost hitting a glass ceiling for a, a long time. I worked at the club for 11 years. I knew exactly what you know the finances were in terms of how, how much we could spend, kind of thing. Uh, I think most Evertonians did anyway. So you, you're thinking, well, we've performed at a good level. If we just had that extra bit of freedom to go and, you know, strengthen this squad, then surely the natural progression is upwards. Um, you know, the Newcastle thing, uh, mm. you know, without being disrespectful to Newcastle, they, I don't put, they've never been alongside Everton. They've had good spells, 
but they still never won anything. I think now they're in a great position. I think they're going to do really well. Because, hey, if they just look and say, right, what would Everton do and do the exact opposite, they'd probably be fine. Um, so they're building now, but Spurs is the actual one. Spurs is the one because they have, you know, a big one of the big five, original big five like Everton, um, didn't spend huge amounts of money. You know, the, the Gareth Bale money got them players and that was really the most they'd spent. But they've what they've done in that time, and don't forget, while we had David Moyes, he turned Tottenham down twice. He was like, no, not bigger than Everton, not, not better placed than Everton kind of thing, and stayed where he was. Spurs have been fantastic for the last 10 years, whatever. Pochettino comes in. Obviously, they've had Harry Kane, who's tremendous, and that really helps. And they've just built and built and put a good side together. Now, we both know Flav and know his frustrations of that, because they've not been able to go that final step but they've got a new stadium and you look at them now and they they are massive now um, and yeah. they're, they're ready for, for success but they just can't seem to get it so that's the that's kind of the path we hoped Everton would would go on with that money and, and certainly being able to have that bit more freedom in the budget to buy better players which you just naturally think puts us certainly gives us a better chance and quite frankly James it's the decision making from there that has been atrocious really yeah we'll talk about the stadium as well mm. because i think that's a complex element in this yeah. and of course the recruitment as well in terms of that instant effect when mashiri takes over did do you think the the arrival of mashiri means meant that martinez's departure became inevitable because you were looking at him as a manager and previously you were thinking smart guy diligent guy um getting the best out of what we've got but all of a sudden, there's a you know there's a, a a video that went a little bit viral. I think it was um, uh, Cheeky Sport chatting to Ast- uh, Everton fans after a semi final, and that they're, they're talking about the likes of you know wanting Pellegrini, who obviously was a very important manager at the time, wanting Jose Mourinho as well. Do you think that that again the sort of starting point of the frustration comes from a general understanding of who you are, but starting to look upwards and did that mean that Martinez's departure was inevitable because there's been a lot of managers and I want to get through a few of them but Martinez of course was was the first one how do you reflect on that that time and that instant or pretty quick change from Mashiri in terms of getting him out the door uh, well I mean Evertonians will tell you that Martinez was on his way down anyway a different owner or a different chairman Martinez would have gone earlier people will look what you have to look at is get the the information to before Mashiri, so we have it all up to, we have David Moyes till 2013, so like I've just said before, 8 out of 11 finishes, top 7, top 8. Martinez comes in and doesn't mess with it too much, but adds Lukaku, Gareth Barry, James McCarthy, Everton finished 5th and should have finished 4th in the 2013-14 season. We blow it. We beat Arsenal and it's in our hands and we blow it. Um, and then for two seasons, Everton at 11th with arguably a better side than what Moyes had, mostly. So the the trajectory of Roberto Martinez was kind of on its way down. We had a, uh, we had Lukaku, that's guaranteed goals. So when Mishiri come in, there's a, we beat Chelsea in the FA Cup quarter-final, Goodison and Romelu Lukaku gets two, and there's an interview after it with Bill Kenwright. And Farad Mishiri, I think it was the first game he'd been to, and he's there with Bill Kenwright. And Martin, you know, Martinez is there, I think, or or it's those two. And Ken Wright's talking about we've got the greatest. Yeah, Martinez is the, got the greatest manager in the world. 
and Mashiri just looks at the floor as if to say, mm, yeah, all right, mate. So really at the time, James, it was inevitable that he was going to be removed as the manager anyway. In terms of those two, because I think that's an interesting uh, relationship there with very different people involved. Mm. Ken Wright stayed, and that was a kind of a big part when Mashiri came in. He wanted Ken Wright to stay as the chairman. Mm. Ken Wright seems quite sentimental. Mashiri seems quite um, impatient. You know, his own yeah. words, he says that he's been impatient yeah. with managers. What has been the ripple effect of having those two working together all the time? Do you think that has... I think there was probably a desire that they might balance each other out, but has it just actually led to more confusion? Yeah, I think you've just used the, the perfect um, word at, right at the end there, confusion. Confusion in the football club. Uh, confusion amongst the fans. Doesn't seem really to be in any balance because what seems to happen without being in there, so you don't know, do you, without sitting in a boardroom or listening to them on the phone, whatever, everybody seems to defer to the owner. And that might be quite a basic thing to say, given he's the owner. But I'm not sure that they've, Bill Kenwright and others have challenged Farad Mashiri often enough during this or as part of their role and I guess it's difficult because if if you own something and I'm you've put me in as, as a boss kind of thing but you're not hands-on but I want to make changes and you really don't how do I how do I make you make those changes sort of thing without stepping down and that's never happened it's not happening now with, with yeah. I know we'll come on to that but with the stuff what's gone on it still hasn't happened so during those seven years there's, there has been confusion. You used the perfect term, like I've just said, confusion. Because I I would expect, if I'm a billionaire, so I must have done something to amass that money. And quite obviously, I haven't because I'm not a billionaire. Because this would be yeah. a much nicer set, James. We'd be doing this on the beach somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I, you know, I quite clearly am, I don't think like Machiri, but I would have put certainly my own people in immediately. Or certainly let it lay for a year and go, right, what's happening at this football club? Are we, is the tangible progress on and off the pitch? And if not, I would have put my own board in. Not one person. I would have put four or five in who I can trust. And, and people from... You see other clubs like Newcastle went and got people immediately cleared their boards. Well, thank you very much. Patted them on the back. Off you pop. And put a whole set of, of their own people in. Because then... You're accountable. You've chosen them. You're accountable. I think what Mashiri did, leaving Bill Kenwright in there, and and every everything else that's gone since. That's the that's the state of confusion from me as to why that has happened. Right, because I think that's what I was doing is, and I'm bad for this. Is that I kind of end up trying to sort of go, well, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, on 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 a, quite a few occasions, and so because I. I Sometimes you kind of don't know what's right or what's wrong until you kind of get the other side of it. And, yeah, of and course, that is yeah. some of the things that will be kind of, if you are trying to be kind to Mashiri, is this understanding that, you know, he's putting 731 million in terms of he's buying a stadium, but at the same time, he's being hands on. And I, I agree with you. I think there's, there is, unless the owner provides that clarity, maybe I'm getting to the point here in my own mind, unless the owner provides that clarity, accountability, and freedom for his staff to 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 do what they're paid to do then there will always be that confusion because i think another thing that's been labeled at him is first of all 
getting involved with these kind of sackings it is quite an awkward odd thing to do is that you own something you're going to bankroll it you're going to spend all this money on it and you don't get to make the decisions yeah that that is a quite an odd thing that's not you know exclusive to everton it's exclusive to like most you know to every single owner it's weird mm. sort of you know we again we i think there's sometimes and again this isn't that everton fans but i'm having it with qpr at the moment this idea of sack the sack the board well, you know, if we sack our board, we don't have people that sort of allow us to to continue to to continue as a football club. Mm-hmm. So, with Mashiri, is the, the the sort of the fact that he had that hands-on approach was that is that something that you can provide any kind of respect for, or should he have really had a couple of goes and then stayed away from it? You know, he obviously did that. Like Coman was sacked early, Silver was sacked early. Silver's obviously gone on to uh, do incredible stuff with Fulham, although it's taken a couple of goes at it. This sort of hands-on approach. Another one is the Marcel Brands element of it. You bring in a director of football. It seems like you know they affected the way that what he'd initially put in him in to do, which was to bring through young players, and then all of a sudden he's trying to buy these sort of Hollywood signings. What's what redeeming features of Mashiri can you provide in terms of what he's been trying to do here? Redeeming features. Well, he's put his money in. That's a redeeming feature. He that you know he has made money available. There's no there's no question about that. Mostly, um, I, you see, I had no issue with them really. You you do it. You either do the thing Newcastle did, which looked and said, and it was a bit different Newcastle. Don't forget though, because it's like. If someone buys Everton now, someone was buying Everton right now. The easiest win, if I'm buying Everton off Farab Mashiri, the easiest win for me is to clear the board out straight away. Because the fan base then go, this man's listening yeah. to us and he's want, you know, he we can it. get on board. Which yeah. is what Newcastle did. Because obviously Mike Ashley and everything around it, the fans protest, they weren't happy. So the easiest win for Newcastle was to clear the board out, which they did. Which you give admiration for them. They've done it. They move on. Doing, you know, they're reaping the benefits of that. What Mashiri, when Mashiri come into Everton, there wasn't a big. There have been. Don't get me wrong. There have been calls for Bill Kenley to go. Absolutely, there have been. There been protests in 2010. People weren't happy, but it wasn't the way it is now. So far, up Mashiri buys it. I've got a bit of sympathy for him for saying. Okay, let's have a look at how it runs then. Because Everton Football Club, if if a neutral's looking at it, someone like yourself, James, you would look and go, well, they were obviously run okay because they were still performing. They were, you know, I'd had lots of time in the top seven, eight, FA Cup semi-final, League Cup semi-finals. They were doing okay. So from a, um, a business perspective, they're coming in very low debt. They're obviously... You know, just keep them within everything. Don't forget FFP or, or profit and sustainability wasn't mm. hadn't quite fully kicked in when Mishiri took over. So he comes in and goes, well, I'll leave that in place. for Now, what, he, what I think he should have done, if he's not going to make the wholesale changes from day one, then he should have had a period of assessment for everything. Now, Everton have been losing money most seasons because, A, there's been no adult in the room when we were spending the money. To say, this is great, you opening your, your wallet. And this would have been fine 10 years ago. Because as long as you're opening your wallet, we can we can buy players and we can do whatever we want. But the landscape was changing. Mm. So nobody just put a hold on that. 
And so I've got sympathy for him because he did open his wallet and go, yeah, go ahead. I want him. I want him. I want him. The problem is you either, and you, you've said it before, no owners really do it. But if you want to really be hands-on, then make yourself the chairman or something. Become a board member. He's never been a board member. So it's great making decisions, but why have you got a board then and a chairman? If you're just doing it anyway... So it looks like from me, and he might if I sat with him, he might tell me something different. It just looks like when we've all played Championship Manager or some or FIFA, and we just go right. This club isn't doing anything. Buy this striker over here. And not he's not really listening to anybody. So that's where the that's where the critical side of that comes in. Mm. Is that his decision making has been poor, and he's took advice off people he probably shouldn't have done. That's really interesting because the ripple effect then for him is that just spending money is not enough mm. you have to have some sort of thought with that as well Absolutely. Uh, we're going to dive into that in far more detail uh, having a look at the the buys and the possible moment i think where it all started to really really turn after this Okay, then, Baz, let's get into the numbers. Has Mashiri's big money been more hassle than it's worth? 731 million spent since Mashiri took over. Over 400 million has been recouped, but 80 million of that was with the Lukaku sale. And the first question I have to ask you is, because there are some belt... Well, I mean, it's not belts for you, but the names, the list of names... 24 million for Schneiderlin, 30 million for Michael Keane, Cenk Tosun, Christ, 27 million, 25 million for Gabamin, uh, also players like Andre Gomez, Deli Ali, Yeri Minos. I've had his moments but keeps getting injured. Is there a player, is there a signing that if you had to sort of, there was a moment where you went, oh, no, this doesn't feel right this is getting away from us because what we all do as fans is go oh new shiny things lovely 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 in they come and well look we're at the start of this this might work out i, I did it with deli ali i went well you know maybe he just needs lampard deli ali was saying all the right things in the interviews mm. and obviously you know that's come to pass but along the road in this seven year stint with mashiri is there a signing for you that you kind of went because i i know you know your football so on the pitch, there must have been a moment with the player you went, mm, this doesn't feel right. Honestly, um, Gilfie Sigurdsson, 45 or 40 million, whatever it was, 45 really? million. Couldn't understand it and thought, and this is early, don't forget, James, this is this is his second season. So his second summer transfer window. And right. we've just, we've bought Davy Klassen for 24 million. We've got Wayne Rooney, um, and we're pursuing Gilfie Sigurdsson. And if if we offered twenty five million for Sigurdsson, the same as what Leicester did, Swansea turned it down. Leicester pulled out because they had they had brains, um, and we ended up bidding against ourselves up for another fifteen twenty million pound. And that was the moment I just thought. Are we just becoming one of those clubs then that just overpays? There's other times we've bought players and you do what every fan does. 
you want to give them unless the I'll be honest I've struggled this summer with a couple of signings I won't lie but we might come on to that in a bit but you do that thing where you always go but we do need someone like that or we do need someone and and they probably settle at our club and because you always you try to be hopeful every time especially yeah. doing this job you you know the same James the amount of videos so we've you've done. got so exactly got. And if we sit here going, this is the worst sign and ever, what are Everton doing? You can't portray that kind of... You don't want to, because you want to... I, I'm a great believer in no. trying to give every no. player a chance, because sometimes you get those players that don't settle at other clubs and come in and do wealthier, and, and you don't want to... You want to give everybody a chance, don't you? It's football. It, it, if we actually sat and just focus fully, all of us, on reality... Most clubs wouldn't have fans, would they? Because we'd just go, uh, yeah, there's no chance we're, you know, QPR, there's no chance QPR ever winning the Premier League, so what's the point, James? Why are you going? You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But there's a bit in your brain that says, well, I'm gone. <laughs> You're speaking no, but to look, me. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is you look at Brighton and Brentford, I've seen <laughs> Queen's Park Rangers, to me, have always been a tough flight club. Now, okay, they've, they've flitted between the two, but you know, I'm a kid. Kids, clubs stick with you. So QPR for me was the plastic pitch when I was a kid. It was there was a mystique about it. I always wanted to sit right, yeah. row A at Loftus Road above the scoreboard in the away end, and I got to do it. But it wasn't against QPR. It was when Fulham played there as well. But so they've always been a club. So why can't they be like Brighton and Brentford and get up and perform really well and do the use the data and and evolve? Of course, you believe that. If you didn't, then you know, you you do something else because you always have that hope. Same as Rex and fans. Now it's all go for them. Totally. They've got the belief they'll get to the Premier League. So when you're a Premier League club and there's money in the signings, you've you've got to have the belief that they're going to work out. Because one thing we, one thing we, we sometimes maybe give too much credit for is the people making the decisions know what they're doing. I'm not convinced that's always the case. Yeah. And, and sadly, with a lot of those, I remember my dad saying this to me. And he, I think I was like 15. He said, he said, son, it will blow your mind, people that are on over 100 grand a year. <laughs> it will blow your mind. And yeah. I think that is, that is the truth. I do think now, I think what's interesting when you look at these seven years is that there was so much money there and the new uh, owners were sort of all coming in. But it was still that sort of football manager era where you were like, well, just, you know, it's OK. Just keep, we, well, yeah. Abramovich has done it. OK, off you go. Throw that throw that yeah. money and, and another yeah. one comes in, another one comes in. You think it will be OK. Yeah. I actually think now, and I think this is why you could throw this at Everton fans. You could throw this at all fans. And actually, I, I, I will throw it at them now, but not previously, is this idea that you? I think now we we actually need to be going, well, hang on. Is that the right amount for that player? Yeah. Should we be spending that kind of money? Like that because it's happened enough times now that even us with, with you know to bring it to QPR because I think we are. You say some interesting things there where there is that understanding or feeling of of why not? Why not us? Mm. And also again when you when you go from where your watermarker is and you think that's where we belong, and so the heights of QPR is the Premier League. The fact is we've been in the Premier League three or four seasons over the last 25 years so although i agree with you and i feel that way the truth is is not that and our income is not that and mm -hmm. you could you could apply that to everton as well you know when it, you know when that last trophy is in 1995 
But I, hmm? I get both sides of it. But now, today, in 2023, we have to look at the finances of our clubs like so much more. Yeah. And it needs to come from us because you're right. You know, these, these guys come in and just because you have the money doesn't mean you should be a, the one to spend it. Hmm. Because so like, coming back to that question, and I put this on Twitter. I said, where would Everton be without if Mashiri wasn't there? And what's funny and realistic, I guess, about it all and actually kind of heartbreaking is that most people go sixth to ninth, the odd Europa League push, mm. eighth to 14th. Yeah. So you, like, it's amazing how how much we dream for, for so little. It's, it's crazy. Do, to answer that question then, do you think the money has been more hassle than it's worth? Would you have been better off if you'd had to just sort of stay within your means? Do you think you would have got more out of those players in the squad because I think that is something that we see with Brighton and Brentford is and you I think we've seen it in our industry as well where when you don't have all the money you have a different kind of hunger and a different kind of ingenuity to work smarter instead of being sort of a bit gluttonous do you think that with this 730 million that's been spent on all these players that we sort of just run through there do you think you would have been better off if he'd been very very sort of tight pursed it's tough to say. I mean, it's easy to say yes because the money hasn't produced, has it? Let's be honest. We had what seventh, two eighth places. So the first three years, still top eight. The next three, we've underperformed um, for various reasons. But we've made some terrible decisions, money-wise. Well, I mean, one thing I will say about the money—that's always the headliner. Of course, it is. You know, the net spend and all that you can throw at. You know, we've got our our mates in the next studio that love net spend, but Liverpool have spent a hell of a lot of money. They've been successful. But Everton hadn't spent money. David Moyes, I think, walked out having spent £130 million in 11 years, I think. So Everton hadn't spent money for a long time and, and had to try to catch up, certainly with wages and stuff. But we have wasted the money. And so in, ter- in terms of if we'd have just carried on with what we doing things the way we did it, would we be better? Depends who makes the decisions. If David Moyes was at the club, then I would say yes. But I'd also say if David Moyes would have been at the club when Farad Mashiri was at the club, or if Farad Mashiri would have come in under David Moyes, I think Everton would have would have been in the Champions League, would have won trophies. David Moyes was always really a centre-forward and maybe two decent subs short of doing big things at Everton. He basically played with 12 players in the squad and we had subs that we knew were never coming on because we just didn't have the money. And I guess that's what, I guess in a, in a funny way, that's what kind of like Brighton and um, Brentford are doing now with much smaller budgets. They're just working really smartly and they're going, well, all right, James Alcott's worth 50 million, but I've got this other fella over here who, who does similar to James and he's where he's 5 million. And so instead of going to you because you're a good-looking kid, you you know, you, lovely lad, I've met you, you're a great lad, but we'll go and take <laughs> this lad who's five million because he does a lot of what you do, not as fancy as you, but his wages are a lot less. And that's been that's happened with Brighton and Brentford every year. Right, listen, I'm sure you drop your wages anyway. I know you're big time now, but you're still a lovely lad. You're, having, you're still down to earth, so that's good. But I think Everton haven't been down to earth, and that's been the problem. That's the ripple effect of it. We've, we've, yeah. I guess if you like, if you, um, you see that famous lottery winner, don't you, from Blackpool, Carl, someone who won eleven million and just went out and was like 
quad bikes and cars and, and ended up losing it all. And you'll get other lottery winners who are smart with the money and go, well, we'll do that and do that, but we'll make sure we're careful over this side. Everton have just got all excited. And, and the one other thing, James, sorry, before we, before you move on is, Manchester City did this to, on a lower level, which, you know, what's it? The first takeover, he come in and splurged the load of money. They didn't do anything. Right. In fact, Middlesbrough beat them 8-1 in one of the games. And um, it was their second takeover that sorted them out because Sheikh Mansour come in and, and was at, and did have adults and went, no, this is not how we do it. And they've spent, month, obviously spent crazy money, but they've been fantastic and, and it just shows you. And I'm hoping whoever takes Everton over next, They've got, um, you know, they know how to do it and have a clear plan rather than just thinking money's the answer. As you've seen yourself at QPR with uh, with Mr. Calm, is it? Uh, well, we had uh, Fernandez. Um, oh, Fernandez, sorry, Mattels, Tony Fernandez, wasn't money, it? Yeah. But it, when it comes to FFC, the bigger problem for us is is um, it's, it's so we're going to get onto this now. You know, mm. the future for Everton because. Mm. If Everton get relegated, there is a whole different financial fair play uh, regulations in play, and that yeah. could make it even scarier for Everton. Uh, we will dive into that, and of course the new stadium as well, uh, in just a second. Right, I wasn't going to ask this question. My producer is an Everton fan, and he wrote this in what's supposed to be quite a neutral document. He asked the question, does Mashiri care about Everton? That feels like a loaded question, Baz, but I'm going to let you answer it because you started to and it sounded quite interesting. So does Mashiri, after spending all this money, is there any question that he cares about? I think, I think, he, um, I think he does care, I think. Or, or his ego will care, because he's a billionaire, so they have big egos, don't they? They do a lot of measuring, billionaires. Um, but I, I, I think his ego gets in the way. I think he does care, because surely if he didn't, he would have just looked to sell it on immediately. Well, not immediately, but the minute it kind of wasn't going the way he goes. Does he care enough is probably, is probably a bigger question. Or does he get it? He, he did an interview which I'm sure your producer watched um, a few weeks ago, a month ago now, talking about, you know, I feel like every yeah, Evertonian. With, the, with Fab, Fan yeah, Advisory Board. with the Fan Advisory Board, and it was, you know, the, I feel like other Evertonians, and I'm upset, and I've been impatient, and all that. So, I think there's probably, he does care because, like I say, I think it's the ego more than, he's not, he's not an Evertonian the way we are, is he? It does, you know, but I'm sure if you own something and, yeah. and other people know your names all over it and he mixes in the circles he mixes in, it's quite it's quite embarrassing really if your football club is continually um struggling and certainly with all the noise that's around Everton right now. So I'm sure he does care. But he won't care as much as we do. Absolutely not. No, understandably. I watched that interview. I don't know whether I answered that. No, kind of <laughs> no I, think, I think he cares, but I think you're spot on. Yeah. I think uh, I think his ego, and again, if you asked him this same question, he would then spin it. And I think there's a, a lot of rich people who become incredibly rich uh, are incredibly charismatic. And I think he's one of those. And I think his ego is not because 
of this, mm. you know, incredibly humble desire to make Everton and Everton fans happy. I think it's more for him to be a success. No. And that's what drives on rich people to become successful. So I agree with you. I think the ego is, is a huge part of this. And by getting the stadium done, that will that is his saving grace because that's what he speaks about in this interview is the, the foundations of, of that mm. being something where... Because he is one... Again, people with money will go, oh, no, I'll solve it. How do I solve it? Well, how much do you need? We'll, okay, we'll solve it. And, and in that interview, he's constantly talking yeah. in that way. And the stadium... What is interesting is that when he's talking about this review that you suggested that he should have done from the start, that he did, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, even a year ago, the areas where he's not happy with it is the recruitment and the area that he's absolutely bang on and everything's working brilliantly is the stadium, which it seems to be the thing under his control. Do you think that the new stadium has forced Mashiri to stay longer than perhaps he, he wanted to? Because it does look like you're getting close to that... Slight changing of the guard in terms of the, the investment. MSP, uh, which I think is an American uh, investment uh, group, mm -hmm. they're looking to to take on a starting point in terms of some ownership of the club, which I think a bit like Leeds and the 49ers would allow in time Mashiri to kind of step away. Does You do get the feeling that he has an understanding that he needs to sort of gently get out of the room or leave the party. But do you think he stayed much longer because of this stadium and the the stadium being built do you think that is a the ripple effect of that is something that saves Everton or actually you know destroys Everton down the road if they were to get relegated this season oh um I think that I'll just answer the last bit first the, the stadium will also will definitely save Everton long term absolutely absolutely the Goodison Park I love it I can guarantee you I ain't getting a better seat than I've got now at Goodison in the new stadium. But we need to make more money. It's as simple as that. It's, you know, the gate receipts alone from Goodison and the, the other stuff is, is dwarfed by teams like Southampton just because of their corporate side and things like that. So Everton absolutely, absolutely need to move and absolutely need the stadium. So that will, that will be his legacy, ultimately. And and that that will save Everton, even if it's in the championship, it'll save Everton long term. Um, the other bits with MSP, is he looking to get out? Probably, I would be. I'd had a good go with it and not really done what I thought. If he if he has any kind of um, self assessment, he would surely, surely, even if he doesn't admit it out loud he would be thinking I've made so many mistakes here because he has it's as simple as that it, the, the decision making has been atrocious and therefore it's led to this point where we were looking for for new people to come in he's selling if you if you you know read between the lines between 20 and 25 percent of the football club for 105 million and some people think that's too cheap for what's gonna be a you know, a big club with a brand new stadium, but he's looking for money. There's a a partner that he or a business partner that is uh doesn't have access to his funds at the moment and I think Mashiri falls probably in line with that as well. So Usmanov, of course, was was his partner. Uh they met in the nineties. It's kind of some mm. people there again, rumour allegedly Possibly not true, who knows. But there are a lot of businesses that uh, Usmanov 
and Mashiri have kind of worked on together. And some some people sometimes suggest that Mashiri is kind of the guy in front of Usmanov. Um, both of them were linked with Arsenal and then Mashiri sold his stake to then buy Everton back in 2016. Um, but of course, a bit of a ripple effect of the war in Ukraine is the fact that Usmanov and his funds and the commercial yeah. money that he's able to bring in as well um, gets put to the side as well, making it all the more grave mm. uh, a financial position for Everton to, Everton to be in. Uh, it does seem like he is going to kind of uh, bankroll the stadium. And so there is that safety of that. Do you think there's any way mm. that he would full stop walk away? Or do you think we're close enough with the, the MSP um, change for for Everton to be safeguarded because from where you were to where you could go and again to use those QPR parallels to sort of fall off a cliff uh, into the championship because that's kind of how it feels as long as you uh, it, certainly if you don't go straight back up in those first three years for those of you who don't know when you go into the championship you receive 55% uh, of the amount that each Premier League team would collect under an equal share of broadcast revenue for parachute payments. And then the year after that, it's 45%. In the second year, 20% after that. So that's around £40 million, pounds, €50 million, Euros, then uh, £35 million, pounds, then £50 million. Pounds. And so for the wages that Premier League players get and poorly run Premier League teams <laughs> players get that can get pretty scary pretty quickly and you have to cut the wage bill pretty quickly. I would suggest that Everton would always be okay in terms of being able to bounce back up mm -hmm. at some stage due to, that's what I think when they really would be able to rely on the, the size of the club because you're always going to attract players. But mm. I'm kind of getting towards that, you know, that, that moment of, of Everton possibly going down, some people will chuck this at, people and go oh sometimes it's kind of good to go down where do you sit on this one because you've kind of been in purgatory in terms of that mid-table yeah. area for a long time now if you do go down does that scare you or do you think it could freshen things up in any way uh, no of course it's gonna, it's gonna scare everybody isn't it you know Everton haven't been relegated for 72 years and they're the longest we've played the most games in a tough flight so of course there, uh, it'd be a huge story. It was a huge story last season, and we haven't we haven't learned from it. We've repeated exactly the stuff we did last year. So therefore, we deserve what we get. If you don't put, everybody knows Everton needed front players, and, and we didn't get them in. And you look at it now, and if Everton would have had, he said it himself, didn't he, in the interview? Exactly. If Everton would have had a striker, they wouldn't be anywhere near the trouble they're in. And that's just as simple as that. You know, when if they'd have sacked Frank Lampard after Bournemouth or certainly after Brighton at home and Dyche had come in then, they probably wouldn't be in trouble now. So it is what it is. It, it's all happened. You can't go back. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm scared of going down. I think what Everton would have to do, there would be a fire sale. Of course, there would be. People, Jordan Pickford ain't staying. You know, England's goalkeeper's not playing in the Championship. That's, that's for sure. And there'd be half a dozen at least who would have to be sold. But then you look at clubs like Burnley, you know, you've got one go at it, really. I think a club of Everton's size would have one go at it, really, mm. before it would become terrifying. That in itself is terrifying, because that's been the whole problem, is that, th so you're yeah. relying on, we've yeah. got this one moment of mm. cash injection to a point when it comes to the championship, to solve this, who are our guys, and uh, 
Thelwell mm-hmm. is the director of football now. Yeah. Um, Marcel Brands was someone that was, you know, there's a lot of interference with him. He generally mm-hmm. has a, a, an okay reputation, but Mashiri seemed to fiddle and tried to bring in these Hollywood signings. So the, that terrifying thing with that would be, and that does have a ripple effect onto the pitch, doesn't it? Like when you know that that pressure is there anyway, Absolutely. then you bring in these players and that pressure will be put on them probably for an inflated price because it's Everton. If you do go down, that's the spiral, isn't it? That's the scary thing. Because if you waste that money again when you're already in a, a tricky position, then it gets really frightening. Yeah, I'll have nowhere left by the end of this, James, if you keep giving me these facts. But you're absolutely right. The ripple effect of it is it changes the face of the, well, it changes the football club forever. And therefore, you do have a one and go. You know, Burnley have done tremendously well. You know, they're waltzing back up. And sometimes, you know, Newcastle have done it quite well. When they've been relegated, they've come straight back up. You have to do it. You have to be ready for it. It would take... See, some people would say, obviously what it would do is clear FFP out the Premier League. Profit and sustainability would go because Everton aren't in the Premier League. So it would reset to naught, which means if you come back up in a year, then I get people saying that's good for us actually because we're not on the naughty step again. We'll have money and we can... We can, you know, spend money like Villa did and Forest did and teams like that. Fine, that's great. But you're starting at a lower level already. And obviously you can spend some money in the championship because you'll only be playing under EFL rules for one year. That's why I'm saying they have one go at it. If it becomes two goals at it, you have to cut your cloth accordingly. You've just pointed out the difference in the payments. So again, you're slashing again at the end of that year. So... It is huge. And the other thing as well, James, I think, which is a lot of people do overlook, we're all very emotive, as in it's our football club. It's, you know, when I keep joking and going, well, 33 wins next season, I can get used to that, you know, we'll win most games and everything. But the reality of it is, and this is a real thing, especially given um, the way the country is in general and the way people are in general, half of Everton's workforce will probably lose their jobs if they're relegated. And that's a real thing. We don't, as football fans, we wow. we go to match and and we watch the game and we talk in the pub or we talk on things like this or on WhatsApp to our mates and whatever about the team and the players and all that. But people forget the other people, the people who actually make the football club work and make the match days work and stuff like that. And and the first thing you would do is when you're relegated, is you cut cost immediately. And the easiest people to cut, easier than players, are staff. And that's what will happen. And, and they're the people that I feel sorry for. I've, you know, I've worked with some of these people and their jobs will be at risk. And that's that's like a real, that's the real effect of it. And that's the effect that sometimes, you know, people do forget. And I think the players, I'm not saying they don't, they don't understand that because they certainly will because certainly at the Finch Farm some of those staff will lose their jobs if Everton go down because you have to you've got to cut your cloth and you don't want to cut too much from the playing side because they're the ones that are trying to get you back into the top flight so the ripple effect of, of relegation would be huge for Everton Football Club absolutely huge and and that again that all rolls back into yeah. Farad Mashiri and, and the terrible decisions that he's made yes so I, I think yeah the final thing I thought with that as well was when you were talking about sort of on the pitch I think mm. this is something that gets forgotten again as well is honestly if Everton are in the championship that is that is an FA Cup final 
for every, every other championship team. Mm. And again, the thing with the championship is you have a lot of people that are generally cutting their cloth accordingly. Mm. It's tactically very um, expressive, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. You have teams that will try things yeah. to try and get themselves you know, around it. And so again, that sort of that gluttony that you've sort of seen with Everton in the championship against teams that are up for it. Like coming to that final question of, of what do you kind of sum up as the, the ripple effect of Farhad Mashiri's seven year stint as the owner? For me, what I'm seeing here is that kind of money can't buy you happiness here. Like it has to be authentic, it has to be well thought out. And value is an interesting word that I'm thinking about a lot at the moment. And players feeling valuable and feeling valued, fans being communicated to and feeling valuable and, and staying within it. It's very actually rarely, and actually players on the pitch, you think of David Moyes and what he got out of some of the players that were there, they felt valued. They mm. weren't valuable, but they felt valued. Mm. And that will take you very, very far in this league. When we look at Brighton and Brentford, and then you look at the opposite where you've got players coming from Hollywood teams that don't have the hunger yeah. that are valuable but aren't valuable to the football club that yeah. is the biggest ripple effect of this and i think that's been the thing that you've seen with mashiri time and again be it with bringing in someone like ancelotti who had an all right start but then bringing likes of hamed rodriguez gilfie sigerson as you said and spending all that money that with this sort of odd kind of romance instead of living in reality that's mm. the, been the problem for Farhad Mashiri for me the ripple effect of him coming in is that he's been living in a bit of a dreamland and and kind of going it'll be okay it's not okay unless you put the work in and yeah. and I don't think the the work and the accountability and the, uh, the, the everyone from top to bottom feeling accountable and valued that's been the biggest ripple effect for me with Mashiri because he's tried to just spend it away for you how do you how do you see this seven year period of Mashiri what has been the ripple effect of him I mean you made some some excellent points there. It has been that. It's you know, people look at Manchester City and, and they'll you know, the money and everything, but they also worked extremely hard at getting the right people in. And the ripple effect of Farab Mashiri is is a fella that comes into a bar with, with money and gonna buys everyone a bevy and people wanna be his mate and all that and that and he listens to those people who don't or I believe don't always have his best interests. I'm talking you know, kids, your band's been all over. Everton comes on radio shows and says he, he's never recommended anyone to Everton, which is nonsense because he, he has, and he said he has in the past, so he's like rewriting history almost. And far up, Monsieur, he's listened to those people because if I'm a football agent, of course, I want you to take this player so I get a big cut of it. Whether that player is any good for Everton's re- irrelevant. We saw that with Anwar El Ghazi last year. I think he played 11 minutes, I think, on loan, something like that. That was it. No one wanted him. Rafa Benitez at the time didn't want him. Frank Lampard certainly didn't want him. And he was, uh, guess who, you know, guess who represents him. So, you know, that has been, the ripple effect has been thinking, like you just said, you can throw money around without doing the hard work. You can just go, yeah, I've got this big ton of money and if I just spend it on um, you see, Delhi's a different thing. Delhi, I understood the gamble. We Everton still haven't paid money to Spurs because he had to play twenty games, start twenty games before they got ten million. That's true. And he never, he never done it. So Delhi, I, I kind of understood if he'd come in and 
even if we'd have got 75% of what he was at Spurs, it'd have been a great signing for Everton. It hasn't worked. But there's been others you keep we keep mentioning ones. Throwing 45 million at Gilfie Sigurdsson. Absolute nonsense. And others. And even just, you know what, James? Sometimes spending money that isn't a huge amount, but it just doesn't make sense. We've done it in the summer. We've still done it in the summer with Dwight McNeil and Neil Maupai. Everton lost Richarlison who was our top scorer last season and a real talisman for Everton. And we were already a team that was short on goals. And we bought... This not being disrespectful to Dwight McNeil. Do I think he's good enough to be a starter for Everton? No, not really. He's a squad player. Neil Maupai certainly isn't. But neither of those players have a history of scoring a lot of goals. And yet, we only had a certain amount of money. Mm. And we just spent the money on two lads who didn't have a history of scoring goals to replace someone who'd got double figures every season for us in the Premier League. It's just those kind of decisions have been, you know, really poor. And and that's gone right the way through. And that has been the ripple effect. I think it's made people lazy at their jobs. I think it's, you know, like I said before when I was talking about buying you or buying someone over, you know, my, my producer, Ned, you know, for five million quid, can you both do a similar job? Well, I'd rather spend the money on, you're better looking, but I'd rather spend the money on Ned because he can do similar amounts. He can do some of the jobs you can do and I don't have to pay him 50 million pounds for him or the wages you're on. Everton have just gone, we need a centre midfielder. He's on 100 grand a week. He plays up the road, we'll have him rather than going. I've, I've watched a few of your videos when you've done players Everton could go after for better value. Now, you're doing some research. I do it for our channel. And I'm going, look at this player, look at this player, look at this player. They're all under 10 million quid. And Everton go, no, we'll buy him for 25 and give him 100 grand. And that has been the ripple effect, James. I think it's made people lazy at the job. And the money, it just shows money isn't always the answer. You've got to get, certainly in football, and like you, again, a great word you used before, value. Where's the value? David Moyes was the master of value because he'd done the work. So, therefore, it worked. Brighton and Brentford have been really good at value. I hate saying it, but Liverpool have done really well with value. Everton, nah, not so much. And that's been the ripple effect of Farad Mashiri's time. Interesting, that, that sort of passage of time is from 2016 onwards, I think you're right as well, is that prior to that, you... As long as you had enough money, you could just spend it away and you'll get where you need to be. Exactly. Now the game's moved on, yeah. especially at the top level where Man United have had these troubles. Mm-hmm. Loads of teams have had these troubles where they spend. You Just spending money doesn't equal football no. intelligence. No. I, I think actually even the timing of it is interesting. You talk about that. You, if you pop in David Moyes into this period of time with the same kind of budgets, I think, I think Everton are in a completely different place. Baz... Thank you so much, mate. I really, really enjoyed uh, listening to your chat about it all. Toffee TV is the place to be. If you are an Everton fan, go over to their YouTube channel straight away. They have a patron as well. Where or Is it, is it a website or is it a patron? Basically? Patron, yeah. Patron, yeah. 
So it's all good. Other stuff on there as well. Yeah, you're you're in a safe space with Baz and Ped. Less so Ped, certainly <laughs> Baz. You're in a safe space, but it's all good fun. Um, I hope you guys stay up, mate. I always I always see you guys at Everton, and obviously I want you, I want happiness for you. I, I see a lot of QPR in in Everton in the fact that you've earned it. You've earned a moment, <laughs> and you deserve it. And one day it will come, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe just staying up to the first step. Um, Baz, thanks again. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode of The Ripple Effect, make sure you check out all the other episodes. Uh, we've got some great evergreen pieces talking about Sam Allardyce as England manager, talking about La Remontada, that's the Barcelona versus PSG game, and the ripple effects of that as well, which actually kind of ties into some of the elements here with Everton. Um, follow the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and um, yeah, join us next time. Thanks again.